Hello, welcome back to Pardon My Franchise, a podcast about movies when there's a lot of movies. I'm Nora, I'm joined by Autumn. I'm checking where our DoorDash order is. Ooh, my phone's at 14%. That's fun. Um, Folks, we ordered some DoorDash. At some point, I'm probably going to stand up and have to go get that. Um, This is our third podcast of the day. Uh, So forgive us if we're a little punchy. This is your third podcast. This is my third podcast, your second um, we have a little gimmick here. Yep. To start the episode, do you want to tell people about we have our gimmick? Two special guests. <laughs> I work at a grocery store, and I noticed that we had some hard Mountain Dew, and so I have procured a total of forty-eight fluid ounces of hard Mountain Dew. Oh my god! These are such tall cans. 24 of these ounces are just Mountain Dew. What are you doing? I'm trying to open the laptop to DoorDash since it won't load on my phone. (laughs) Sorry. 24 ounces of Mountain Dew with liquor. 24 ounces of Mountain Dew Baja Blast with liquor. Both of these say zero sugar. I don't know that I like that. Yeah, I'm a little... little... I've never had a Baja Blast in my life. Well, you're going to have a weird one. Yeah. So we're going to start with the... Uh, also, we're going to try and do some more uh, taste-testy things in Franchise, because I uh, brought these home and Autumn decided, yeah, what if we just tasted weird drinks? What if we just did arrow pointing down? Yeah, what if we just did arrow pointing down? I just felt like... I, f- I sort of felt like part of my Franchise was in need of a gimmick, and this feels like a, a good one. So I would like the DoorDash app to open, but whatever. <clears throat> Here it goes down the hatch hole. Pass it my way. Interesting. It does kind of. So taste... this is this is standard like lemon lime Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is a is a Mountain Dew flavored drink. It, I taste. It does taste like zero sugar Mountain Dew. It, so the 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 taste that comes forward is alcohol. Not yes. sort of, not like, not like, oh, vodka or rum, just alcohol. But then the back half of the taste is, um, like, stevia or Splenda. Yeah, kind of. It's fine. I don't know. That, I would really like to have sugar in it, though. Yeah. I, are, are, do they only do yes. zero sugar? Yeah. 
Okay, interesting. Even the Baja Blast mm. also has zero sugar. It's weird how um, drinks with alcohol don't have to have nutrition facts on them. There's a little blurb. Yeah, government warning. Well, uh, I just want—I wanted to know—is it stevia or Splenda or oh, that, aspartame? No. Um, Here we have. It doesn't taste like aspartame. To the me. Baja Blast. Mm. I just took a second sip of the regular one. I should—I'm going to cleanse my palate with the water. Interesting. It does not really taste that much. It kind of tastes like Baja Blast. Kind of. I guess it kind of tastes like if you drank Baja Blast out of a metal, like, flask. Um. Yeah, that's the other... I never... Whatever, I'm just going to take a sip. I'm not going to... I don't like a Mike's Hard Lemonade as out of a can as much as I like it out of a glass, so... I don't know. Anyway. Do you want me to get you a glass for these? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you want me to pour your hard Mountain Dew into a nice fancy glass? The Baja Blast one is far superior. I think it does taste different. Um, I don't know which one I prefer. Um, I th- I think the Baja Blast one. I could. This is a huge can. If this was a twelve ounce, I could finish this easy. Uh, the the Baja Blast one kind of tastes like what normal Baja Blast tastes like when you have COVID. <laughs> the also the the artificial sweetener taste is less noticeable with the Baja Blast. That's true. Whereas at, I took a sip of my water after the regular one. Mm-hmm. And the, the water washed away everything but the artificial sweetener. I have not had Mountain Dew in a while. This is fine. I It doesn't taste very um, alcoholic. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've had a Mountain Dew in like 10 years easy. Now, granted, this is 5% alcohol by volume, mm-hmm. which is like a light beer. Yeah, this is not very much alcohol. Uh, but, and that's 5%, and it's like, it is a big can, but, like, I can't imagine liking this enough to, like, really drink it in earnest and, like, chug it, you know? Or, like, I, just be gulping it down like soda. There are guys I know in college who would have pre-gamed with, mm. with this, but other than pre-gaming, I can't imagine the, I can't imagine coming back to this. It's an interesting gimmick. It's fun to see Mountain Dew, but with liquor. And I'm not a person who pre-games anymore, so... Um, well, you're doing it right now for this podcast. Oh, man, okay, so I had a cup of coffee this morning, and then I always have a cup of coffee with coffee and comic books, and then I reheated... The The second cup of coffee I made was a big cup, and I just, like, ended up reheating it uh, for, for a bag end, not thinking about how... I'm drinking Mountain Dew on the podcast. I'm going to burp sometimes. <laughs> Fucking chill. Um, I have IBS. I have Crohn's disease. You can't be mad at me. It's the other end. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Highlander Endgame. Yeah. Uh, this this was, movie fucking rocks. It fucking rules, dude. This is the best Highlander movie. By far. Um, okay, so Highlighter Endgame comes out in 2000. It is directed by, uh, some dude. It genuinely, like, uh, Doug, uh, Amioski. Um, Arniokoski. He's directed episodes of Star Trek Discovery, Star Arrow. Trek Picard, Arrow, SWAT. Criminal Minds. Sleepy Hollow. Um, 
The fourth and fifth Puppet Master films. Oh, he was the writer on those. Oh, writer. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But he did direct and write Nurse 3D in 2014. Um, The Flash. American Gothic. Uh, Discovery. He is a TV guy, you know. Multiple Star Treks here. Uh, Yeah. We got Discovery, Short Treks, and Picard. Um, So... Um, this is bringing together Duncan McCloud, the main character of the TV show, with Connor McCloud. Connor McCloud appeared in the pilot of that show, apparently, but, um, as far as I could tell, from just looking at Wikipedia and not IMDb or anything else, which would have made sense, Connor McCloud only appears in the pilot of that show. Um, and so, um... This is like sort of bringing, bringing the character of Connor McCloud more heavily into the sort of continuity of the TV show because um, our experience of the the Highlander franchise as filmed so far has been a great deal of discontinuity, and so this feels like, hey, let's fit Connor into this because this is the most stable story we've ever gotten out of Highlander, um, and. It's great because um, it is like it is finally a competently told backstory for Connor McCloud. It is like makes his character work in a way that he never has. Um, uh, Christopher Lambert is way better in this movie as the mentor character to Duncan McCloud than he's ever been as like romantic masculine lead in his own right. Yes, you know. This, um, this... Not that, and this is no diss to Christopher Lambert, who I think does a fine job in the first two movies um but this character just makes more sense in the context they put him here he's old even though he's immortal mm-hmm. um, um but we got jump scared we got jump scared because um a guy a bunch of guys in like weird armor come up on motorcycles yeah and one guy gets off and does a few moves and we're like oh shit he's a ninja how almost not quite right we were. <laughs> um, he is a martial artist. And he takes off his helmet. And kicks it. And who is under the helmet? Donnie fucking Yen, dude. Donnie Yen is here. Not only on screen, but behind the camera. As the martial arts choreographer for this movie. And it fucking shows. Yeah, Um. so... Let me just provide a little plot summary for people um, as best I can. This is, um, as always, doing the jumping back and forth in time thing that these movies do. Edge! The person in the opening credits called special guest star Edge? Yeah. You said it was a musician. It was a WWF person. Oh. It was a wrestler. Uh Uh-huh. That's dumb. Yeah, I guess the musician is the edge, now that I think about it. Anyway, um, okay, so let me just provide a little plot summary as best I can. Um, we did a podcast between watching this movie and now, and um, it does the jumping back and forth in time thing, so it's kind of hard to do it. Um, but basically, uh, I'm just, I might go, like, chronological through the movie, rather than, like, because the movie... The movie multiple times does a thing where it tells you in the present a thing that happened in the past and then shows you the thing that happened in the past. The main, 
a little hard to follow in a couple spots for me. People on Letterboxd who were like, this movie's incomprehensible, need to get their eyes checked, but... Um. <laughs> it was Sometimes it was the opposite, where, like, he mentions the main villain by name in the uh, opening because mm-hmm. he's from his Connor's past, and then he goes by his last name in the rest of the movie, and I was explaining that they already said who this character was, and then you d- didn't remember that, but then they said it out loud, like, five minutes after that conversation. Um... Okay, so, so, it's, um, basically, we open on, um, the, the movie starts as, like, let's get a bunch of Connor in here. Like, the movie starts with Connor as the main character, and then at a certain point, he hands off to Duncan. Uh, and they do that really elegantly, so that, like, you stay invested in Connor. I, honestly, I'm more invested in Connor than I have been in any of these movies through this stuff. Basically, at the start of the movie, he has come back to his hometown where they banished him from in the first movie. Um, and he gets in a shit ton of trouble for it. And he kills um, this one priest who is, like, leading the Holy See against it, Like, doing an inquisition on Connor. And um, burning his mother. And burns his mother alive. It crucifies his mother and burns her. Um, and um, uh, a guy named Jacob Kell sees this. He, the, Kell had been one of Connor's friends, um, and now he's trying to burn Connor alive. Um, and uh, Kell, it turns out, is an immortal, and he's going to become the bad guy at the movie. And we learned something new about, new about immortals. Which is that they can just be born normally, and if they don't experience a violent death, then they'll just have a normal life. Yeah. There's a couple things um, like this that I wonder, are, are these established in the TV show and they're having to catch movie people up? Because there's a, they do a pretty good job of like, hey, let's redo some exposition just because one, the movies change how the rules work constantly, and two, like, you know... TV people might not know stuff about the movies. Movie people might not know stuff about the TV show. Like, they do a good job of, like, doing exposition. It's, like, clear what they're doing, but it's, Mm -hmm. like, fine. It's compelling. It's still a good, like, story Mm -hmm. being told. So, um, here, I'm going to pull up the plot summary from Wikipedia on my phone, because you have scrolled away from it, (laughs) and I need it uh, in front of me, just to reference. Um, Oh, I have something to mention when we get to another scene later. I did. I didn't know you were looking at this. It's okay. Um. So, um, uh, um. Basically, um, Kells reborn as immortal and vows for revenge. Um, you may remember the uh secretary essentially that Connor has in the first movie. Yes, who was a girl he saved during World War Two and raised kind of as a daughter. Um, the intro of this movie is about her being killed mysteriously Mm -hmm. by an exploding telephone. Yes. Um, A trap that at first we we think, as the audience, is meant to be for Connor. Yes. But we soon learn it was actually intended for her as a way of hurting Connor. Yeah. Uh, Kel eventually is going to reveal that his his evil plan, uh, after, after Connor killed Kel's father, Kel is like, well, fuck you. I'm going to kill everybody you get close to. And I'm an immortal, so, like, 
I'm going to spend hundreds of years quietly torturing you from the shadow. Every time a loved one of yours dies, it will have secretly been me the whole time. Um, you know what this is way cooler than? Hmm. Palpatine did it. <laughs> He's kind of Palpatine with it. He's he, like, kinda, comes he, in, like, wearing a hood and, like, you don't... He plays a sorcerer in Dungeons & Dragons, the movie. Mm-hmm. And he plays the right-hand man to Jerry Iron's character. Mm-hmm. Who is also a sorcerer. Um, and the day that Rachel is killed, Connor tells, um, like, Duncan, like, you know, like, warns Duncan, like, hey, something, some funny business might happen, basically. Um, and apparently, um, Connor and Duncan go way back, um, late in the movie, we see a scene of, like, when Duncan is killed on the battlefield, like, Connor was there, and Connor apprenticed him, much like, um, Ramirez apprenticed Connor, um, and, like, sort of teaches him the way of the heart, soul, and steel, uh, uh, and this is in contrast to, like, Kel just sort of, like, amassing, like, followers, you know? Um, so he tells, he tells Duncan, like, hey, be on the lookout for this, and then he suddenly disappears, and it's ten years later, and Connor has been held by the sanctuary, and we think at first he's being held in captivity, but he actually volunteered to go there. The sanctuary is a place where regular mortals are holding immortals, and basically, like, we'll keep you alive, um, and we'll keep you from fighting, and we're gonna keep you secreted away, um, so that you can't do any fighting, so that no one can ever win the prize, basically. So, as long as there are two alive nobody can have the prize which again we wonder did connor not get the prize in the first movie i thought connor got the prize in the first movie he did not i guess yeah that didn't happen (laughs) um it's weird the way the movie is just like when you turn this into a franchise connor cannot have won the prize what would be the point of any of this (laughs) i thought it was going to be oh a new game yeah which is like you know, I I think that uh, I expected it to be more of a fate thing. Um, it was not a fate thing. But here we are. Here we are. Oh shit! Sorry, I dropped my phone. Um. So um. Here we are. Uh, and I'm trying to remember who goes to try and... Is it Kel goes and he kills all the immortals at the sanctuary. And there's a sick-ass scene of... um, Right. So, Connor's in the sanctuary. And and Kel and his gang of immortals are going to bust Connor out. Because Kel wants to keep torturing Connor. And they're going to kill all the other immortals there. And just become more powerful by doing so. Um, and this is a sick-ass scene of, like, warrior monks in hoods with, like, shotguns and M16s taking on all the immortals, and the immortals just wrecking shop. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Because also, like, the, 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 the immortals, um, take a bunch of bullets and, like, get knocked down, but in the end, like, they're immortals. Intentionally. Like, Donnie Yen just puts up his arms so he can get shot. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, um, 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 they break him out and Duncan, right. Duncan through the force, through the quickening feels Connor's alive. 
or, or he thinks Connor is dead. And he is tipped off that Connor is dead. But he senses, like, lots of immortals dying, and he can sort of, like, see little flashes of what's going on through the Force. <laughs> um, so, he goes on a quest to find Connor, um, and um, he gets taken by the Sanctuary guys, who are like... Well, he goes and talks to another immortal, who's been alive much longer, longer even than Connor. Like, Ramirez amounts of been alive. That might be a guy from the from the feels TV very TV show guy. But then he finds his wife. Yes, um, he catches up with his wife, who it turns out was the person that tipped him off um, to Connor being Connor being dead. She told him Connor was dead. Um, his her name is Kate. Her name she goes by Faith now. Yes, and she's with the bad guy team. Yeah. She was she was with Duncan when they were both just like Scottish people, um, and he suspected that she was an immortal, so he stabbed her. He sensed. He sensed. Connor told him that she was. Yeah, and so he stabbed her, and she's like, "Hey, it's cool that I'm an immortal and all, but like, you didn't ask me. You didn't like tell me the 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 consequences of being an immortal." You just stabbed me in my sleep. We're breaking up, you know? But maybe there's a chance. There's always tomorrow for immortals. Yeah, like, it ba- basically, Duncan has spent the last 400 years, like, sliding in her DMs periodically to be like, hey, baby, why don't you take me back? And, like, she kicks him out, and he's she like... she says no a little less firmly every time. <laughs> yeah, she says no a little less firmly every time. And, like, this is, I think, later... But yeah, like, they fuck, and she's like, okay, that was some great dick, but I'm not taking you back, and he does this big romantic speech about, there's always tomorrow, that's the nice thing about being an immortal, is like, I can, as long as you're alive, someday you can forgive me for what I've done. Um, Spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, she will have forgiven him. But, she's with a gang, Mm -hmm. Kel's gang, Mm -hmm. and they all fight Duncan at once, and he gets he gets totally owned. Yes, but at one point he stabs the sword into the ground, and Donnie Yen stabs his spear into the ground, and they have a fist fight, and it's great. Yeah, they have a fist fight, and Kel is like, "Okay, I'm gonna break." They're they're fist fighting. It's fucking sick. Uh, The guy who plays Duncan McLeod is doing all his own stunts, much like Kristoff does, and the fact that like. These are, like, competent action scenes. Like, it... So, these have always been white dudes swing katanas at each other. Uh-huh. Um, but it's 2000. The Matrix has happened. Like, Donnie Yen is in this movie, so the culture is sort of caught up to white dudes swinging katanas around movies to where, like, oh, these guys probably watched, like, one Wuxia movie and were like, okay, instead of, like, quick cuts or, you know, instead of, like, what we normally do, we're gonna pull the camera back a little bit and like let you see the sword fighting and it's good there's some shots in the fist fight especially where it does have a close shot on the fight but then it pans over in different different like directions as they move and fight rather than cutting around a bunch and it's way more compelling than yeah like punch cut to other cut to opposite reaction punch it's, it's the same feeling as when you do a shaky cam punching scene it's the same like frenetic energy but it's so much like more legible you know it was really good um 
I think Donnie Yen might be a pretty good martial artist. Yeah, it turns out Donnie Yen's fucking fantastic, dude. Um. Anyway, um, uh, one of the guys shoots Duncan, and he falls out a window and gets stabbed on something. And uh, that's bad for Kel because he gets abducted into, uh, abducted by the Watchers. It's de- bad for for Kel. Yes. Okay. 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 And then he kills that guy who shot him because he's like, "I told you to mm. do something, and you didn't do what I said." Yeah, um, I was gonna do my villain monologue. You interrupted my villain monologue. Now you're dead. But it's okay. Duncan instantly wakes up after being put to sleep by the uh, the new sanctuary, uh, and is rescued by a sidekick from the TV show. Is what it appears to be. Yeah, some guy. Uh. And then he has his encounter with Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those times in a Highlander movie where the plot takes a backseat and we get some like scenes of characters fucking and some like character drama stuff. But then the plot starts moving again later. Yeah, uh, that's so one thing is that um, I, I just kind of got tired of seeing Connor fuck all the time. So it's like, oh, well, now it's Duncan fucking. At least this is, like, different. <laughs> um, but and... then, Kel has a Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And all of his goons are there, and he turns his sword into two swords, which he never does again in the movie, but mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty sick. And he kills all of his henchmen, and presumably Faith as well. Yes. Who is uh, Kate. Yes. That's it. Uh, but if you own the DVD, oh, yes, uh, there is a different version of the DVD release features a 100 minute, one minute producer's cut. No, Donnie Yen is, where is it? Okay. Uh, it was here a second ago. I don't know where, uh, yeah, the, uh, which, so on the DVD, there's a rough cut Mm -hmm. of the movie with time codes on it and everything. And it features a subplot involving Connor getting a Christmas, giving a Christmas tree to an orphanage every Christmas, picked up by Duncan after Connor's death. Kate is not in this version of the film at the end. And in the Last Supper scene, Jin K plunges his sword into a wall and beheads himself after realizing he cannot beat Kel, thereby denying Kel the opportunity to kill him. I wish that was in here, honestly. That would be Cause, sick. Because so what happens in the scene in the movie we saw? is that um, Donnie Yen has been booked really well. He's like a motorcycle ninja at the start of this. <laughs> and um, he, like, gets in a fist fight with Duncan, and it's sick, and they're, you know, it's fucking sick. And then He's the heavy. He's they, the, everyone backs up when he shows up. Yeah, yeah, like, he's the bruiser, and, like, he has this dinner with Kel, and, like, it's clear that Kel is gonna kill them all, and so Donnie Yen hops up on the table and then just lets it happen. And it's like, that's such a disappointing ending for him. If he had been like, nah, fuck you, and like cuts off his own head as a final act of defiance, that would have been a much better ending for that character, I feel like. 
Also, uh, Donnie Yen's character is based on a real historical figure. Interesting. Renowned for his failed assassination of the Chinese emperor. Oh, Connor Connor makes reference to that. Yeah. Um, I didn't... That went right over my head in the movie. Uh, but that's a while ago, right? Let me see here. B -b -b 200 BC? Yeah. So, uh, his, his power level... We should talk about the power level. Yes, yes. Uh, he's been around a while. When when Duncan gets briefly, briefly taken by the sanctuary people, um, they take him because they're like, well, with all the other immortals gone, we have to, like, we had volunteers, now we have to kidnap somebody because we need to keep the game going. Um, and so they kidnap Duncan, and he gets immediately busted out by TV characters, presumably. His homies. His homies. Who then pull up a laptop and are like, look, here, uh, we... There's a database of all the quickenings. Connor McCloud has has killed 272 uh, immortals. You've only killed like... 160. Yeah. And meanwhile, this guy, Cal, he's killed 661. He's had 600 quickenings. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, I know that was already kind of a, a, a potential plot point. Mm -hmm. Because you get all the cool stuff from when you kill somebody. But... It was really funny to see the... Yeah, to do anime power levels. It, it really does feel... It feels like somebody watching this is like, I'm into anime, you know? It's 2000. Like, yeah, like, The Matrix has happened. The Matrix has not, like, happened to this movie, but they, The Matrix has happened to this movie. And all the stuff that inspired The Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. All the stuff that... This but stuff is just, like, in the water. After The Last Supper... It's called The Last Supper on the Wikipedia page. That's why I keep saying that. Uh, Connor shows up and forces Duncan to kill him so that he will have the power to beat the villain and so that he can finally be at peace and, like, stop his endless life. This is, so... It's, it's one of the highlights of the films. Yeah, so, like, Connor as mentor to Duncan is, like, such a great turn for his character. It makes Connor work so much better when it's, like, Ramirez mentored him, and then he mentors Duncan. Like, seeing that, like, lineage is such a good um, aspect of this movie, uh, even though Ramirez is never referenced at all. It's, like, fine. It, like, works. And, um... <clears throat> If they had had him quote Ramirez or something, that would have been like that a little bit cherry on top. But yeah. It was fine. This was worked really well. And so they build up, they spend a good amount of the flashbacks building up Duncan and Connor's friendship through the centuries. And um, Connor comes to him and is like, neither of us could defeat Kel alone. You're going to have to kill me. Like, I'm an old man. I don't want to keep doing this. But one of us has to do it, and so you're going to have to kill me and take my power. Honestly, the shots, the little scenes we get of Connor and Duncan doing their swashbuckling adventures through Scotland, Anakin Obi-Wan vibes, yeah, to be yeah. honest. There's a, really good, <laughs> there's a really good flashback of they're escorting um, Kate somewhere, and some highwaymen come up on them and they're like, I guess we just got to pay these highwaymen and they get the women away. And then as soon as the women are away, pull out their swords and start kicking ass. And it's Anakin and, Yeah. Yeah. They, the, they pay the highwaymen, but then they pickpocket the highwaymen and then they pull out their swords and start kicking ass. And yeah, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan for sure. Um, it's a really good dynamic. And then, yeah, like this is Ramirez 
How have we seen Ramirez die? He dies protecting Heather while Connor is off screen for reasons unknown. And it's sort of like, if Connor was there, it would make Ramirez's death scene a little better. And then, like, the second time Ramirez dies, (laughs) it's like... It's a blender. He pulls out magic superpowers we never knew he had before, and he gives a little pep talk to Connor, and then... And it's a better scene. But this is... This is why... This scene of Connor and Duncan dueling, and Duncan doesn't want to kill him, but Connor knows it has to be done. This is, like, the best moment Connor's character has ever had. This is, um... This is why you put a mentor immortal in here, so that the student has to kill the master. This is great! This is good storytelling! Yeah, because the gim- like, killing the mentor doesn't work as well when the premise of the movie is that killing somebody means that you learn everything they knew. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the villain is gonna do it. Yeah. Like, it's obviously is much more compelling, because now, in the final battle with Kel, he starts sounding like Connor. Imagine if the people making Obi-Wan had watched Highlander Endgame. How much better Obi-Wan could have been. Only if they watched it every day. <laughs> Let it really sink in. Only if they studied under the masters. <laughs> anyway, uh, they fight. Duncan wins. Yeah. Uh, Duncan and Kel fight. Duncan wins. Um, it's a cool scene. It's the, not- the, the Duncan and Kel fight is a good fight. They do a good fight. And then Duncan's like on the ropes and he gets back up and he's on the ropes. And like the second time he's on the ropes, I think they like CG, like ter- anamorphs his face from Duncan's face to Connor's face and back a couple mm-hmm. times. And then he says there can be only one. And, and you're not it. Yeah. And front flips over Kel. He does do whips the... around and cuts his head off. Yeah. He does the Anakin Except he, except they're on even footing, and so he wins. He doesn't. He doesn't try to jump up on the high ground. <laughs> it's really more of the Obi Wan and Maul. Yeah, it's really more of an Obi Wan and Maul situation. Um, and uh, then, then he makes the goofiest fucking face as a 2000 CG like face emerges from the sky and quickens the fuck out of him. Yeah. Um, but then uh, they're in an airport or something, and. Faith comes back because she actually was spared, yeah, uh, and not killed. And she's like, "Actually, I'm going to try give Kate a try again." Mm-hmm. And they kiss, and they're back together, kind of, maybe. Who yeah. knows? Um. So that's fine. That's the movie ends. This is just a good. He, ba- he buries Connor uh, in Scotland. This is just a good TV action movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, the the the, the fight scenes are good. The story is well told. It's really well paced. Like, it's breezy. Um, you can, like, we took advantage of, like, the moments where you can feel a commercial break to, like, get up and get a glass of water. Like, it, it's just a good-ass movie, you know? Yeah. In a way the- that, like, we love Highlander 2. Highlander 2, like, doesn't work as a movie. We like Highlander 2 in spite of itself in some places. Yes. Uh, we get We like Highlander 2 despite the fact that it, like, you know, face plants multiple times. Um, and the less said about Highlander three, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is just really good, this and I don't think really we're going to top it. I don't no. think that the next two are going to be anything like this. No, I don't think so either. Um, I'm interested in the next one because it's an anime. 
I was like, do we need to? I feel like we should at least go watch the pilot. For, yeah, we could we could do that for the show. I I suspect the show is not as good, but if the show can at least tap into the energy of this, like. I don't, who knows? Maybe we watched the pilot and this it's terrible, but like if we watched all five seasons, we're like, oh yeah, season three, it really has it, you know. I bet I bet Highlander is a show that like takes a while to get good. Uh and we might not end up seeing that, but like I don't know. We should go watch the pilot. Uh well, the next one, Search for Vengeance, has a new McLeod, and then our final film will have Duncan again, the same actor. Oh, cool. Uh, that'll be fun. Ten years after the show ends. Seven years after this movie. Um, oh, this is fun. The poster says the quest for mortality begins. Uh, our our food is almost here, so I'm gonna go downstairs and get that real quick. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to all that. Um, that means you have two weeks. One week if you're listening to this in the free feed. Yeah, if you're a plebeian. <laughs> to send us emails to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com subject line franchise or Highlander. Ask us questions about Highlander. Ask us questions about white dudes with katanas. We certainly have opinions about it. You know what's weird? White dudes with katanas? Uh, if someone said... I used to be one. If someone said animes or mangas uh, it would sound really bad in my ear because you don't plural things in Japanese, and you certainly don't plural them by putting an S on it. But I guess katana is just like an exception in my mind. Where katana is so... I just hear katanas, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. It's a... It's just a noun. I don't know. But you don't... You don't make... You don't put an S to make something plural in Japanese. You know? Sure. No one would say katanas in Japanese. Yeah, but we're not speaking Japanese. Yeah. But if someone said if someone said animes, I would be like, "Well, that's not how you do it in Japanese." That well, anime bad. is a French word. Anime is not a French word. It's derived from the French word, isn't it? I don't think so. Pretty sure the word anime, as we use it, is derived from a French. Word. Okay. I think that's true. Let me go to. The... <laughs> Are you going to Google is anime French? No, I'm going to go to the Wikipedia page of anime. Um. Uh, well, we open on a Japanese pronunciation, so... I thought it was French. Is that just not... Uh... Ah, well, there's a note about the pronunciation. Hmm. Um, sometimes written with the little French accent mark. Prior to the widespread use of anime, the term Japanimation was prevalent through the 70s and 80s. In the mid-80s, the term anime began to supplant Japanimation. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Besides sounding, like, racist in a weird way, um, some sources claim that the term anime is derived from the French term for animation, dessin, anime. But others believe this to be a myth derived from the popularity of anime in France in the late 70s and 80s. So I might be right. Kind of. Um, I certainly heard it from someone. <laughs> um, it's, um... It says right here, the etymolo etymology of the term anime is disputed. Okay. Yeah, I'll give that to you then. Thank you. Um, I'm the podcast hero. <laughs> I didn't know until very recently, like, 
so I was reading, I follow a French comics artist on Twitter, and I was reading um, a article about how, um, like, French shoujo fans are trying to get more, like, shoujo, like, published in France, basically, and, like, more support from publishers. And I knew that people read a lot of comics. I, I knew that comics were popular in France. I knew that probably meant manga was popular in France. I did not know that, like, manga and anime are, like, perhaps bigger in France than they are in the U.S., you know? Just on, like, a percentage basis. It hmm. seems like people are really, really into manga and anime over there. That's at least my impression from reading a couple articles, and it comes up in um, the podcast Manga Splaining from time to time. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Uh, hi french people they like highlander and anime <laughs> they do like highlander <laughs> if you're french and you don't like highlander or anime let us know but to our knowledge if you're french don't let us know <laughs> I'm a, you know what actually what? be nice to french people i know that i'm the one that's usually mean to french people but like i'm trying to change my ways they got a lot to answer for, French people, all right? As if Americans don't. <laughs> As if Americans don't. Listen, we gotta draw a line sometime. <laughs> uh, Where can people find you online? Behind you. Do you want to keep going? We can keep vamping. I just yeah. kind of want that Chinese food over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry too, so... Uh, you can find us eating our dinner in about five minutes, or on Twitter, you can find me at Neither Nora. Find my uh, co-host at Ashworm, Ash with an E, Worm with a Y, at NoraBlake.online. I have other stuff there, too. You can find me on Twitter, at Autumnal underscore coffee, on co-host, at Autumnal. You can go to exportaud.io, get this podcast early for a dollar a month, or get bonus episodes of Coffee and Comic Books for five dollars a month, and... Five dollars a month listeners, we, Nora and I, owe you Pop Town or we have some other goofy ideas, but we haven't done anything for you a while. I want to fix that here in March, so um, probably not today because I'm on podcast number three. I'm fucking tired, but like we're going to do something for you soon. I'm not. We've just it's been a hard couple months, but I feel like we're getting back to our routine this week. You know? I had, we both had COVID. We both had COVID. So, um. Yeah. January was just hell for normal work reasons. But New Year knew us. Yeah, March. Yeah, it's the <laughs> fucking solstice or whatever. Uh, the equinox is coming in March. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, Nola North is in the anime that we're watching next week. Of course he is. Are we watching the dub or the sub on this bad boy? I don't know. It came out simultaneously worldwide, so it's not like there's a huge time lapse there. Mm-hmm. Um, most people would have seen it in the dub, so I don't. Yeah, I don't have any strong feelings. I don't either. It's not like I recognize any of the names from either cast that would make me make a decision. You know. Yeah. Other than like, I recognize Nolan North. I don't think we're. I, I recognize the name Scott McNeil. I can't place it, but I, I recognize the name Scott McNeil. Yeah, he was in Dragon Ball, Transformers, X Men Evolution. Uh, Piccolo. Oh, Piccolo. Okay. Well, yes. maybe we'll watch the dub then. Other stuff includes, um... Oh, he's Hohenheim? 
I can, you can't go back to the Full Metal Alchemist dub, but I do have a deep affection in my heart for the Full Metal Alchemist dub. You can't go back though. You got you just got to read the manga or watch the sub now. You can't. Oh, lots of additional voices in various Gundam things. Yeah. We're looking at Londo Bell Technician from Char's Counterattack. Londo Bell Technician, Lyle and Shuttle Pilot. Uh if the name Teniente Reed from Mobile Suit Gundam I think that's supposed to be Tem... No, no, that's not. Uh, Gundam Seed Destiny, Unato Emma Seren, Glasgow. I don't... Mm-hmm. He's Duo Maxwell. If anyone out there is currently watching Gundam uh, and any of these names mean anything to you, write in. Yeah. Um, oh, he's Fuzzy Lumpkins. From Powerpuff Girls. Uh, sure, yeah. He was in Zoids. Let's get out of here. Let's be done. We should watch Zoids. I want to eat my food. Okay, but we should watch Zoids, though. Okay, sure. I'll say whatever to get you to let me eat food. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Zoids is. Zoids is, like, a... I want to say it's, like, a Canadian show. Okay. Maybe it was not a Canadian show. Maybe it was actually an anime. If okay. I watch it, can I eat my damn pot stickers? Yeah, sure. I've, I don't know. <laughs> I assumed Zoids was not anime, but I guess it is. Kaotani. I thought Ko-o-tani? it was. I think I, it's Kaotani. I thought it was hamburger anime, like um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Is that what we're calling it now? Because it's Spaghetti Western? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You said hamburger anime, and I was like, that's stupid. And then you said it's like Spaghetti Western. I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm leaning so far away from the mic, I apologize, but I'm comfy here. Yeah, we're... Bye, everyone. We're We're, we're signing off. Good. Goodbye, everybody. Um... Uh, farewell, shitheads. Dear shitheads. Farewell, dear shitheads.